1: if Shechem had gone to Jacob's tent and only saw Dinah at home, he never would have had all these lusts provoked to the point of wanting to lie with her. And if he fell in love with Dinah when she was at home, he, he wouldn't have fallen into this place of defiling her. In, anyway, he wouldn't have been able to. So without realizing it, Dinah's presence outside the home in Shechem's uh, turf, it gave encouragement to his ungodly lust to go after her. And so Dinah gave life to Shechem's evil hopes. And when girls, like I said, when they wear all these type of clothes and then seen by men, the uncontrolled lust, it breaks out in hope, evil hope. So when Shechem sees Dinah away from a home to see the daughters of the land, he sees an independent, free-spirited, maybe rebellious-spirited young girl, and he goes after her. So in Shechem, we see a man who was a slave to his own lust, a man who saw himself in a powerful position as prince of the country, who could get away with whatever he wanted to do. And in Dinah, we see a young girl who followed her heart. Very smart, Dinah, very smart. This was Dinah's march. This was Dinah's march to see, you know, Dinah, she came, she saw, she was conquered. So there's a great danger in curiosity in young people who've been raised in a Christian home and they want to go see the world for themselves. And what better place to see the world than on a college campus, free from the overbearing domination of their parents? They're just curious. Dinah's just curious, that's all. Dinah was just curious to know the ways and the customs of the people that were so different from her and that led her to her own ruin. And she should have not have wandered out. And she should have respected the command to be separate from the idolatrous people and the habits, like it says about us in 2 Corinthians 6 17, 2 Corinthians 6.17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. She should have realized First Corinthians, the principle of 1 Corinthians 15 33, which is be not deceived, evil communications corrupt. Good manners. Now, the Shechemites to Jacob's family is the present world to the Christian. Just as it was dangerous for Dinah to follow her curiosity about the daughters of the land, it's dangerous for the Christian to follow his curiosity about, I wonder how that works with all those evil ways of the world. The devil says this to the Christian, you need to see life. That's the devil's uh, comment, see? It's a challenge. You need to see life. You know, it's like the Eve, you know. You you never take a look at that fruit before, did you? Well, let me tell you about it. You need to see life. What he really means is you need to taste death. But he doesn't say that. So at first, when Dinah goes out to see the daughters of the land, nothing bad happens. So her curious, her cautious spirit is blunted. And that increases her danger. At first, when a Christian goes to see what the world's all about, nothing bad happens. So his cautious spirit is blunted and danger increases. This is an account about a young girl's unwise curiosity and a young prince's lust that brought a lot of grief to Jacob. And children can bring a lot of grief to the godly parents, especially daughters. And it all starts with Shechem when he saw Dinah. When he saw her, his lust was just ignited, which is why it's so important to be very careful with the TV and movies. You know, it's like you look at, oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful little eyes what you see. That was the downfall of Samson. That was his downfall. Two words describe the downfall of Samson. You see him in Judges 14.1 and you see it in Judges 16.1. Judges 14.1, and Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Judges 16.1. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her. So Samson's life, you want to say, what was Samson's problem? He saw women. It ignited his lust. Samson saw. It ignited his lust. Man, it's very important. Very important for us to guard what we see. Control our eyes. Job realized this. He said he made an agreement with his eyes. He's not going to look to ignite. He's not going to look to ignite. He says in Job 31.1, Job 31.1, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? The way Shechem saw Dinah led him to lust after her beauty in his heart. Exactly as described in Proverbs 6.25, Proverbs 6.25, lust not after her beauty in thine heart. The way Shechem saw Dinah, he had already done the sin with her in his heart before he did it, which is why the Lord Jesus Christ described it in Matthew five twenty seven. Matthew five You've heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out cast it from thee, for it's profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not thy whole body should be cast into hell. Now in verse two, we have a sequence of words, which is very important because it describes the downfall in verse two. And when Shechem, saw the son of Hamar, the Hivite prince of the country, saw her, he took her, lay with her, defiled her. See, that's the sequence of the words that are described, that saw, took, lay, defiled. Saw, took, lay, defiled. Those words are given to us to show us that there were several opportunities in this process to stop and not go forward. He saw her. He could have made an agreement with his eyes at that point like Job did, did not take the second look. The first look is not sin. The second look is sin. You can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop the bird from building a nest in your hair. And David's sin with Bathsheba, which is described in 2 Samuel eleven 2, 2, Samuel eleven two, when it says, that it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. See, there are two scenes which are described in that verse. David saw a woman washing herself. That was not the sin. The second scene, the woman was very beautiful to look upon. That was the sin. Let me check her out they looking upon her. That was the second look. So when Shechem saw Dinah, that was his first opportunity to stop and not take the second look at her. But then it says about David in 2 Samuel 11, 3, 2 Samuel eleven three. 3, David sent and inquired after the woman, and one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him. He lay with her. So there was a process also in the sin of David. David found out who she was. That was David's opportunity again to stop this whole process of sin. Then David took her. That was another opportunity for David to stop this whole process of sin. In the case of Shechem, it says in verse two that he took Dinah. There was this process of sin for Shechem. He probably took her to his house, but that was an opportunity for Shechem to stop this whole process of sin. From the fact that the brothers end up taking Dinah from Shechem's house, you know, maybe seven days later, it appears that Dinah never went home but remained in his house for at least a week until her brothers took her out. The fact that she was in Shechem's house for at least a week, it's really not clear if Dinah was a captive in Shechem's house or if she chose to stay in Shechem's house until her brothers took her out. We don't know. But it could cause us to wonder if this really was a rape. We don't know. But Shechem did not stop at any of the opportunities he had in his course to defile her. Then came the consequences that always comes from sexual sins. Moral defilement. That dirty feeling inside that only God can cleanse away. He defiled both her and himself. It was not just that he defiled her but he also defiled himself. That's how God describes adultery in terms of a mutual defilement in Leviticus 18.20. Leviticus 18.20, moreover thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. Now, we read that Shechem had strong feelings for Dinah in verse three, the soul, his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel, and he spake kindly unto the damsel this is a surprise this is like what this is not a usual case here this is not usually what happens in the case of a rape when a powerful man like a prince overpowers a girl as when amnon the son of david overpowered his sister tamar daughter of david and in that case following the violation there was a strong hatred which is described in 2nd samuel 13 2 samuel 13 15 second samuel 13 15 Then Amnon hated her exceedingly, so that the hatred wherewith he hated her was greater than the love wherewith he had loved her. And Amnon said unto her, Arise, be gone. But in this case, Shechem fell hopelessly in love with Dinah, and there was not anything that he wouldn't do for her. Shechem now treats her very nicely, as it says in verse 3. He spake kindly unto the damsel. And when it says that Shechem spoke kindly unto the damsel, The Hebrew is saying here that he spoke to her heart. He spoke to her heart. So he was in the process of winning her heart. Maybe he did. I don't know. Again, when the Hebrew word for damsel is used here in verse 3, we have to keep in mind this could have mean that Dinah is as young as 12 years old. The land of Canaan, 12 years old. We're kind of getting close to pedophile. 12 years old. The land of Canaan had it. Sodom and it's Gomorrah, and it's Abimelech. It was a sex-crazed place. The land of Canaan was the playground for sex demons. And that's the world we live in today. That's our world today. There was an Australian Christian missionary who was visiting prisoners in a Filipino prison when she was raped and killed. I'm talking about recently. And today, the leading candidate for the president of Philippines for the election coming up, the leading candidate for the president of the Philippines, said the missionary was so beautiful that the mayor of the city should have been a first to rape her. He's the leading candidate for the president of the Philippines. So at first, all Shechem wanted to do was just to win over her body. And then he fell in love with Ernie, and he wanted to win over her heart, book to her heart. The problem with Shechem is that he got the order wrong. He put the body before the heart. And then he wanted to get her father to give him the marriage, give her a marriage. You you should have put the heart first then go to the father, ask for her hand in marriage and then come to the physical intimacy after marriage. That's the problem today. Couples follow Shechem's course of physical first before marriage. And that's the reason, one of the reasons why half of all marriages today end in divorce. It's a formula for disaster. It's so rare today to see a couple follow God's course of self-control before marriage. It's so rare, you just don't see it. But I, just last week, I got a wonderful letter from a Jewish believer I've known and corresponded with for over 10 years. My friend works in Israel, and this was his letter. It was so surprising. He said, about six years ago, I met a girl from San Diego. We attended the same church in Israel and lived across the street from each other in Jerusalem. When I first met her, I expressed interest in getting to know her more in 2011, but she was very focused and determined on the mission that God called her to do in Israel, Needless to say, I felt a bit disappointed when we parted ways in 2012. I often thought of her. It wasn't until the end of 2014 when she moved to Jordan that she started to pray for me and asking the Lord if I was the one. In May of 2015, last year, she traveled to Jerusalem, and one night we had tea together at a coffee shop. I was so excited to spend time with her. She doesn't regularly spend alone time with men, so this was a big step for her and me. The next day, she returned to Jordan. I was madly in love with her. In my mind, I had the idea that she didn't like me more than just a friend. In 2011, she made it clear that she was not interested in starting a relationship with anybody. So I decided to give up the idea of pursuing her. However, every time she came to Jerusalem to visit, I had strong feelings toward her. In December, a few months ago, December 2015, the day after Christmas, she emailed me and asked me to call her when I had for some free time to call. I called her back a week later on January 3rd, 2016. I didn't really know the reason why she wanted to talk to me and I didn't expect to like me since she made it clear to me years ago that she was not interested. When I called her, she did not answer the phone. Instead, she prayed for 45 minutes, then called me back. We met each other and caught up for a little bit and then I asked her, so how are you? She told me that she thought I was a godly man and that she expected me greatly. She told me, I like you. She was looking at me, and she could probably see the wheels turning in my mind. I simply said, give me a minute. Then I said, give me another minute. (laughs) We literally sat there looking at each other in silence for three minutes before I responded, and I said, I like you too, but let's seek God's wisdom and will for this. In the meantime, let's get to know each other more and talk over the phone. I was so happy and relieved. All of January, we had phone dates for three to four hours, talked about everything. I was seeking God's blessing while she prayed for me, the Lord spoke to her through Ruth 3:18. wait my daughter until and learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he settles the matter today. On February 11th, the Lord confirmed to me to get married through his word, through friends. From that moment, I was ready to propose. I went to Jordan a couple times to visit her. She had been living in Jordan for a year and a half, helping Syrian and Iraqi refugees. I hadn't seen her in person for almost a year. On March 5th, 2016, we went to the Intercontinental Hotel in Amman for dinner. After dinner, I excused myself to the restroom. While I was away, I talked to the restaurant staff. When I came back to the table, the manager of the restaurant brought a tray with a lid on it and said it was a complimentary desserts. I lifted the lid. There was a beautiful pink rose and engagement ring. I knelt down beside her at the table and proposed. She said, yes, I'll never forget the date. March 30th, 2016, we were officially wed in Jerusalem. Simple and humble, just the way we like it. Pastor, a couple of the witnesses. Why did I read that? Because it's totally different from today. My friend did not follow the Shechem course of physical before marriage. That's the world's course. My friend followed God's course of self-control, putting God first and self-control under self-control. He lived a life of purity, followed purity when his heart was madly in love. Now, Shechem goes totally different, as we know. He feels defiled. He feels guilty over what he's done. He wants to try to make it right. So in verse four, it says, and Shechem spake unto his father Hamar, saying, get me this damsel to wife. See, Shechem wants Dinah's father to give Dinah to Shechem in marriage. But he knows that after what he's done, he's not exactly the best candidate to go and ask for that, see? So Shechem, he engages now his father to try to persuade Jacob to give Dinah to be married. And Shechem is trying to make the best out of the bad that he was responsible for. And so when Shechem says to his father, Give me this damsel to wife. He's willing to do anything to get Dinah to be his wife. Later, when Shechem speaks directly to Jacob, in verse 11, it says, And Shechem said unto her father and to her brethren, Let me find grace in your eyes, and what you shall say unto me that you know, I will give. The fact of the matter was that Dinah should not marry Shechem unless Shechem becomes a true follower of the God of Israel and renounce his life of idolatry. The door was always open within the Jewish people for those who came to God to join them. It's not uncommon for an unbeliever to fall in love with a believer and want to get married, and under those circumstances, I'm very leery when the unbeliever becomes a Christian, you know, to clear the way for the marriage. Sometimes the unbeliever will pray the sinner's prayer, join the church just to get married, but there's no real conversion of the heart involved. It's all just what Shechem says, In verse 11 and 12, Shechem said unto her father and to her brother, let me find grace in your eyes. What you shall say unto me, I will give. Ask me never so much dowry and gift. I will give according as you shall say unto me, but give me the damsel to wife. See, Shechem, he has his eye on Dinah and he's willing to do anything, whatever, but give me the damsel to wife, verse 11. If Shechem was asked to confess the God of Israel and take in his body the painful sign of the covenant, of the God of Israel, which was circumcision, Shechem would say yes. In fact, he did say yes. But, verse 11, give me the damsel to wife. If Shechem was asked to make all the men in his community to confess the God of Israel and take in their bodies the painful sign of the covenant of the God of Israel, circumcision, Shechem would say yes, they did. Eh? But give me the damsel to wife, verse 11. There was just one problem that was all outward for one purpose, verse 11, but give me the damsel to wife. There was no inward conversion of the heart to the God of Israel. Mark Twain was like Shechem. Mark Twain was not a Christian. Mark Twain fell madly in love with a very beautiful Christian woman, and he wanted to marry her. And Mark Twain was in this state of verse 11, I'll do according as you shall say unto me, but give me the damsel to wife. So the woman told Mark Twain that she could only marry a Christian, and that unless he became a Christian, she would not marry him. So Mark Twain made a profession to become a Christian. He professed to accept Christ as his personal Savior. He went to church. She married him. But then Mark Twain became very famous, and he was entertained by many famous people in the world. And the moment of truth came when he came back to their home in Missouri And she wanted to go to church. And he said to his wife, look, I can't keep up the front any longer. You go on to church. I know now I'm not a Christian. And that was a very unhappy home. And that just ruined the life of that Christian woman. And in this chapter, the sons of Jacob will say to Shechem, that if you go through the ordinance of circumcision, it'll make everything all right. That's like people today who say, you know, I want you, just join the church, just nod your head at the right time, just say amen once in a while, just use the right Christianese vocabulary, quote a verse now and then, that makes you Christian. That doesn't make a person a Christian at all. If a person has trusted Christ, something has happened on the inside. That person is a different person. There is a different attitude towards sin. You know, once in Scotland, I think I've told you this, once in Scotland, There was a young girl, and she wanted to be baptized. And the church leadership in Scotland, they were skeptical if she was really a Christian. So they interviewed her, and they asked her one question after another, like, have you really seen yourself as a sinner in need of a savior? The little girl says, oh, yes, I have. Have you really received Christ as your savior? The girl says, oh, yes, I have. Are you still a sinner? She says, yes, I am. Okay, you mean you were a sinner before you received Christ as savior, and you're a sinner after you've received Christ as Savior, yes. Then what is the difference in your life from before to after you received Christ as a Savior? And she said, before I received Christ as my Savior, I ran after sin. After I received Christ as my Savior, I ran away from sin. See, that's a change. That's a change in attitude towards sin. It showed she really had received Christ as her Savior. She was a new creature in Christ, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, like running after sin, and all things are become new, like running away from sin. See, for a lost person who wants to marry a Christian and is professed to have received the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, there's good reason to probe that profession. You know, because it could be, verse 11, I'll give according as ye shall say unto me, but give me the damsel to wife. The best way to find out after the sinner's prayer is just to ask, you know, you could be saying, and I'll pray, you know, according as you shall say, but give me the damsel to wife. So best way to probe that out, ask the simple question after a person has prayed the sinner's prayer, what have you really done? What have you really done? If there's a lot of stumbling around, or, you know, a big beating around the bush, it might just have been nothing more than You know, I will give according as you shall say unto me, or I will pray according as you lead me in prayer, but give me the damsel to wife. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for pointing out, Lord, with all these words that you put down there, Lord, what was happening so that we not make same mistakes and we can increase, Lord, in wisdom and stay close to you, Lord Jesus, to protect us because we need you so much in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere.